welcome back to our series on the introduction to apologetics. Today we're going to be considering the question, why do apologetics? And we're going to be seeking to give some reasons for reasons. William Lane Craig has provided three ways in which the discipline of Christian apologetics is vital for the church today. So we're going to look at three reasons for doing apologetics. And here I'll just list them and then we'll go back through. The first, Craig says, is for shaping culture then for strengthening believers, and finally for evangelizing unbelievers. So Christian apologetics is vital to the task of shaping culture. The gospel is never heard in a vacuum. It's never heard in isolation. Rather, it's always heard against the backdrop of a cultural milieu or of a, of a cultural environment. Every culture has a set of background assumptions that sets a framework for how people think and evaluate ideas in that culture, for what they're willing to listen to, for how they feel and how they react to certain ideas, to how they behave. And this set of background assumptions compromises what sociologists have called the plausibility structure of a society. The plausibility structure greatly influences what people will be willing to consider reasonable, rational, and worthy of evaluation. The plausibility structure of a culture is what basically sets the boundaries of what is rationally acceptable. And if an idea falls outside of the bounds of society's plausibility structure, very few within that society will be willing to even give it a hearing, let alone to carefully consider uh, the view as a live rational option. Now, you can no doubt see the importance of a cultural plausibility structure for evangelism. In societies, where the background assumptions of the culture are unfamiliar or even hostile to Christianity, the gospel will not get much of a hearing, and evangelism will be a very difficult task with very little success. In his article, Christianity and Culture, the great Princeton theologian J. Gresham Macon declared, quote, "...false ideas are the greatest obstacles to the reception of the gospel. We may preach with all the fervor of a reformer, and yet succeed in only winning a straggler here and there if we permit the whole collective thought of the nation to be controlled by ideas which prevent Christianity from being regarded as anything more than a harmless delusion, end quote. And Craig writes, a person raised in a cultural milieu in which Christianity is still seen as an intellectually viable option will display an openness to the gospel, which a person who is secularized will not. For the secular person, you may as well tell him to believe in fairies or leprechauns, as in Jesus Christ. Or to give a more realistic illustration, it's like our being approached on the street by a devotee of the Hare Krishna movement, who invites us to believe in Krishna. Such an invitation strikes us as bizarre, freakish, even amusing. But to a person on the streets of Bombay, such an invitation would, I assume, appear quite reasonable and be serious cause for reflection. I fear that evangelicals appear almost as weird to persons on the streets of Bonn, Stockholm, or Paris as to devotees of Krishna, end quote. For this reason, the Christian church ought to be engaged in making a reasonable case for the faith in the public marketplace of ideas. We simply cannot sit idly by while the plausibility structure of our society is shaped by the anti-theistic worldviews of radical secularism, scientism, and naturalism. 
Unfortunately, there are many Christian leaders today who are uncomfortable with the idea that the church should be involved in shaping the plausibility structure of a culture. We are often told that Christ came to save souls, not human societies, that our job as Christians is to just build the kingdom of God one soul at a time, that we're to be focused on evangelism and disciple-making, not on rescuing the soul of our country. But the problem with this seemingly pious mentality is that it's tragically naive. If we think that the task of evangelism and disciple-making is completely unaffected by the state of our culture, we are just deceiving ourselves. Make no mistake about it, there is a cultural war that is raging, uh, that is raging around us, and the church cannot afford to disengage from it. And again, as Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, the war that we're fighting is not a war against other people. It's a spiritual war against ideas. And it is a war that the church must engage in for the sake of evangelism. So Christian apologetics also plays an important role when it comes to strengthening believers. We can see this in several ways. First of all, apologetics can build your faith. It is incredibly encouraging to know that Christianity is a reasonable faith that's able to withstand criticisms of every kind. And although the faith of the believer does not ultimately rest on arguments or evidence, but rather on the witness of the Holy Spirit himself, apologetics can offer confirmatory support for faith and act as a second source of rational warrant for belief. Apologetics can also provide you with confidence and boldness in your Christian witness. Sharing your faith in a society that's becoming increasingly secular and even hostile to Christianity can be difficult and it can be intimidating. Unfortunately, most believers are ill-equipped to handle the skeptical questions and criticisms that often confront efforts to evangelize. Many believers today simply do not share their faith in public because they're afraid of being intellectually challenged or asked questions that they can't answer. A person who is equipped with reasons for faith and answers for the skeptic will have a boldness in sharing his or her faith in an intellectually unsympathetic culture. Apologetics can also support your faith in times of doubting. It's not uncommon for believers to experience seasons of doubting at various points in their lives. Doubt can be emotionally or intellectually motivated. Emotions are unreliable and can sometimes fail and run dry. And believers who think deeply about their faith are going to encounter questions. They're going to confront challenges that may lead to intellectual doubts. Having rational warrant for the truth of Christianity can help to sustain a person's faith through times of intellectual doubt and emotional dryness. And apologetics can fortify your faith against intellectual assault. Christianity is no longer given deference or preference in the West, and it's subject now to near-universal intellectual attack from the secularized media, entertainment industry, um, and the public education system in the Anglo-American world. The intellectual challenge to faith is especially felt by young people who attend public high school and especially who attend public universities. Poll after poll conducted over the last 30 years 
has shown that American churches are bleeding young adults who, wake, who, who uh, walk away from the faith in college. And some studies have shown that up to 75% of Christian-raised youth will lose their faith by their sophomore, by their sophomore uh, year of college. And when given the chance to explain their departure from the faith of their youth, uh, many of these young adults cite intellectual reasons as the primary motivating factor. Training Christian youth in apologetics is the very best way to equip them to withstand the intellectual bombardment that they will likely experience as they pursue higher education. I get so frustrated when I, when I look across the landscape of Protestant Christian churches and I see that most of our youth ministries are geared and aimed towards relationship building or, you know, having fun, doing activities, being, being engaged um, relationally with one another. And there's very little equipping going on, whether that be theological equipping or, or whether it be equipping in apologetics. And we just, we don't prepare our kids intellectually for what they're going to face from a hostile culture. I mean, they're already facing it if they're going to a public high school, but it just intensifies when these kids go to college. Their faith is going to come under attack. And so few churches in this country, so few Protestant churches are equipping their kids with answers, with reasons for faith. Um, most of our youth go to college with just some kind of an emotional attachment to what they believe or to the community of believers that they've grown up with. So that absolutely has to change if we're going to turn the tide of this, uh, this flight of young people from our churches. Of course, Christian apologetics can also be an effective tool when it comes to evangelizing unbelievers. Now, let's be clear. Apologetics is not evangelism. Strictly speaking, evangelism is the communication of the grace of God for salvation, made available by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. To evangelize is to preach the gospel. It's to share the good news. Nevertheless, apologetics is a powerful tool that can be utilized in support of evangelism. We can see the value of apologetics to the task of evangelism in two ways. First, positively, apologetics can play a key role by supporting and confirming the necessary elements of saving faith by clarifying and defending the cognitive content that's required to be believed. One cannot become a Christian without acknowledging certain basic facts about the world, such as that God exists, that Jesus is the Messiah, that the Bible is a reliable guide to truth, and so on. Of course, merely acknowledging the truth of these claims is not sufficient for saving faith. I mean, James reminds us in James 2.19 that even the, demons, even the demons believe and tremble. But having this knowledge is necessary for faith, even if it's not sufficient. One cannot willfully submit to God in Christ until he has believed that there is a God and that Christ is his Son. There simply can be no saving faith without knowledge of and mental assent to the central elements of the gospel. As R.C. Sproul explains, quote, apologetics serves the vital task at the level of clarifying the content of Christianity and defending its truth. This cannot cause saving faith, but it has a vital role in supporting the necessary ingredients of saving faith, end quote. The positive task of apologetics in support of the gospel, then, is to clarify, correct, defend, 
and prove the truth of Christianity to aid the understanding and to persuade the mind. Secondly, and negatively, apologetics can be effectively used to clear intellectual roadblocks to faith. Many people harbor questions, doubts, and criticisms, and even arguments against Christianity that act as intellectual excuses that prevent them from even considering the gospel or giving the message of the gospel a fair hearing. For example, if a person doesn't think that there are any good reasons to believe in God, that person probably won't even consider the claim that God has raised Jesus from the dead. Or again, if a person doesn't think that the New Testament is a reliable source of historical information, that person probably won't have any interest in what the Gospels have to say about Christ. Apologetics can be used to address these intellectual hang-ups that prevent people from considering the claims of Jesus. If someone is using some, object, uh, some objection or argument against Christianity as an intellectual excuse not to take the message of the gospel seriously, answering the objection or refuting the argument can be an effective way to clear the intellectual path to Christ. We can say then <clears throat> that the proper role that apologetics plays in relation to the gospel is that of pre evangelism. Apologetics supports the task of evangelism by confirming, clarifying, defending the content fundamental to the message of the gospel, and by removing objections that keep people from considering the message of the gospel. Now, of course, whenever apologetics is mentioned in relation to evangelism, there is always the inevitable concern that arises. Somebody's going to say, wait a minute, you can't argue anybody into a relationship with Jesus. Now, this sentiment is true. You can't argue anybody into a relationship with Jesus. But it's also totally irrelevant. Because the truth is, you cannot preach anyone into a relationship with Jesus either. All of our efforts, whether they be apologetic or strictly evangelistic in nature, can do nothing in and of themselves to affect, to affect salvation in anyone. Because at the end of the day, we do not save anybody. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. As Paul himself has written, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So although it's true that you can't argue anybody into the kingdom, the Holy Spirit can condescend to use your arguments and evidence along with your gospel presentation to bring someone into the kingdom by the working of his power on that person's soul. Okay, let's move on and consider the relationship between apologetics and discipleship. What role does apologetics play in Christian discipleship? Well, a helpful way to think about the place of apologetics in the life of a believer is in terms of what Greg Kokel has called the ambassador model. In 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us that each believer is an ambassador for Christ. As Christians, we represent Christ to the world and are the vehicles through which God makes his appeal of reconciliation to the world. And Kokel has identified three essential skills that are required to be an effective ambassador for Christ in our age. The first, he says, is knowledge, then what he calls wisdom, and finally, character. So let's look at these taking the last one first. 
By character, kokel means the attractive manner in which we are to interact and communicate with others. Recall again Peter's admonition in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks uh, you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, he says, do it with gentleness and respect. To be an ambassador of Christ is to represent him. It's to be like him in our actions, in our behavior, and in our speech. By wisdom, Kokel means the artful method of speaking and persuading. How we communicate with others and present the truth is crucial to the effectiveness of our witness and to the reception of our message. Consider Paul's admonition to the Colossians. He says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's in Colossians chapter 4. During the classical, Hellenistic, and medieval periods in Western Europe, a good education always included a focused training in the art of rhetoric or persuasion. The ability to speak persuasively and to present a case in a strategically attractive manner was seen as a vitally important skill to acquire for success in life. Now, to help Christians develop an artful method of communicating with others, Kokel has developed a highly effective strategic approach uh, to communicating that, was, uh, that he borrowed from the philosopher Socrates. He does this in a wonderful little book that I highly recommend called Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian conviction. And here, Kokel is trying to develop the trait and skill of wisdom that is so important to be an effective ambassador for Christ. By knowledge, Kokel means an accurately informed mind. There are two things that every highly effective ambassador in our age is going to need to know. First and most importantly, ambassadors will need to know what they believe. Knowing what Christians believe is, of course, the domain of theology. And every highly effective ambassador will have at least a basic working understanding of Christian doctrine. But second, ambassadors will also need to know why they believe what they believe. Knowing why Christians believe what they believe is the domain of apologetics. And every highly effective ambassador in our age is going to need a basic working understanding of Christian arguments and evidence that support the faith and be able to address common objections against the faith. So in this introduction to apologetics course, we are seeking to become better ambassadors for Christ by training and developing this particular aspect of the knowledge skill.